You are listening to Before Anyone Else, Love and Baseball, featuring Erica Richardson. Welcome back to another episode of Before Anyone Else. I'm Keith. I'm Joyce. And I'm Amanda. Follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at Bay Podcast, where you'll find new episode alerts, memes, polls, and you can even slide into our DMs with your audience questions. We're also collecting listener feedback on our website, baypodcast.com. Today's audience question is, at what age do you stand your ground when it comes to your parents and how they interfere with your relationship? And I don't know about you folks, but coming from immigrant parents, like, that's definitely something that's had to happen at some point, continues to even now. Um, but I'll pass it over to Amanda. So what age does that happen? Oh, man. Can you give like a specific age? I'll tell you when like, <laughs> I feel like I'm still battling with that. And if anybody's watching the Indian matchmaking show on Netflix, this like literally plays out in this like entire show. Um, and then obviously like reflects into kind of like Indian culture I would say my parents are a lot more like liberal minded but um damn like I still I still feel like there's like there shouldn't really be an age if you want me to be honest like you should be able to speak freely um at any age but let's face it not everybody has that luxury right so like I don't want to speak and say there's like an ideal age like everybody has different relationships different like um you know expectations from their parents in an ideal world any age but like it's not an ideal world. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'll tell you like one <laughs> in the world that we live in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, less than ideal, right? Um, I would just say that, like, I feel like when you are completely confident in your own decisions, I feel like that comes with maturity, though. Do you not think so, Joyce? Like when you get when you're really like comfortable in your own skin, you know yourself really well. I think that pushback becomes so much easier. I think when you're like still kind of insecure in like what you want and like you know who you think is right for you, then that like feeds into your mindset when you're talking to people, like especially like parents. But I don't know. I think it's like a maturity thing and like a a stand your ground kind of thing. And like I think to me it happens like in your like early to mid twenties, personally. So this is once again a lot of context here. I understand the privileges that I probably have, similar to what Amanda's saying. Um I don't think my parents are as liberal as hers, I I would see it as liberal, but at the same time, they were very strict and I rebelled at an early age, but that's just my personality. On top of that, I have a lot of friends till this day who cannot stand up to their parents and there's a lot of trauma there. And so that's why I'm saying it's a bit of a privilege that I have that I didn't go through certain traumas, but at the same time, I had those same traumas where I where Amanda's saying there was some maturity there and I'm able to say, no, this isn't right. Um, And I do go through those questions. My parents don't believe in certain things when it comes to that relationship. And I've always stood up. So as far as age, it's a maturity thing. And it's um, you're, you're right, Amanda from, from Indian parents, like for Indian people, I think this is the right of the uh, right of passage. For um, non, uh, you know, non, for for people of color, I feel like standing up to parents is the rite of passage versus, I don't know, like <laughs> going to college or something <laughs> yeah. like that, right? Because this is when you officially 
become an adult. And I know a lot of people even get into marriage, have kids, and they still cannot stand up to their parents. I think, you know, this is something that you have to put into yourself and a real sign of maturity because our parents have, I understand, you know, they came from a different life, but at the same time, um, you have to stand up to that. So it's kind of a tough question for me. I try, I try to do it as soon as possible. When it came to relationships, I wasn't able to do it until maybe like a few years ago when I stood up to my parents and I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. I want to do it this way. So yes. So there's definitely like a, a, a privilege that comes with being able to, um, stand up for yourself and, um, uh, you know, speak up against what your parents believe. And, and that's not just like with relationships, but with like anything kind of, um, in my upbringing, my parents were pretty progressive compared to a lot of my other African, uh, friends. But just recently my dad even said to me, um, because we're thinking about like, what the hell is a, a a wedding during COVID? Like not really trying to do that maybe we should push things back. And my dad's response was, you know, the only reason you're living with your partner right now is because I let you go out of love. If you guys don't hurry this shit up, I'll bring you back in here. I'll force you back into my home. (laughs) And like, no, (laughs) that is not, that's not us, dad. Like you tried it. It's not us. Um, when, but like going back to the original question, when is, when is a good time to, whenever you like believe enough in your relationship, whenever you feel strong enough in your relationship, um, when you know that, uh, the person that you're with is like pro tip, if that person that you're with is the one fight for it, like, because mom and dad are not going, you're not marrying mom and dad, or you're not going to be with mom and dad for the rest of uh, your life. Um, so you have to put yourself first at some point because when they go, um, what are you going to, what kind of situation are you going to be in? Like, who are you going to be with? What kind of life are you going to be living? Um, Cause they won't be there for you. Another pro tip from one child of immigrants to another um, is, yo, fake it till you make it, man. Like sometimes they don't need to know everything. They don't need to n- know everything in the exact same way that, you know, it's happening. Um, even in having those conversations with my dad, because he's like, he's regressing when it comes to his, uh, progress. (laughs) Um, and (laughs) going back to like super traditional, um, ways of thinking, uh, he was saying, you know, you talk too much. Let, let, you know, let Brian speak, let man to man, talk to me. She's talking too much. Don't let her, you know, don't let her change the way. And because I'm a very opinionated, strong, independent black woman who he raised me to be. Um, but I digress. So in our relationship now we're talking about it. And we're like, honestly, my, my dad is wanting us to communicate in this sort of way, because that's just how he wants to be right now. He wants to be super traditional. Let's do it. Let's help him out. You have conversations with him. You let him know what the deal is man to man. That's how he wants it. Cool. Like I don't maybe need to be the one to stand up. I don't need to be the one to like, you can play to their hand, like to help yourself. I think when I say progressive, it's not really progressive in a, in like nowadays terms. It's like, oh, I'm thankful that 
at least you're a bit progressive. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll take, take it, it, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm hoping, you know, anyone who's not uh, yeah. a non-POC, like, it's really hard to describe that progressiveness. But it, like I said, yeah, we'll we'll take it. And that's what we call it. So just to clarify that. Um, but as far as, like, a good pro tip that I've done, and I do this a lot in my life now, but it really helped, is... You know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. I know that's very extreme, but I've had to do that um, whenever I moved out. Uh, so once again, for people who aren't uh, POC, whenever you move out of your parents, it's like a big deal. Forever. They rather <laughs> you stay at home with you um, forever. And then you still move in. Back yeah, until you're married, right? <laughs> married. But I, I was, yeah. But I guess when it comes to my parents are like that, right? So I actually did everything behind their back and moved in. And then I'm like, Hey, come see my place. And same thing with my relationship too, as well. So like Joyce, like you're saying, when it comes to it, um, uh, you know, I got into the relationship and just kind of doing it and I'm like, okay, this is real. And then I'm just like, Hey, this is my partner, you know, big whoop if you don't uh, like it. And that and it's just more like they like talking and you know saying no 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 but in the end it's there yeah once it's done it's like they're like oh it's It's whatever and then they love (laughs) they love uh, my partner right and i've known people who um you know they're the way that they think is because it's like oh if i do this like no that's an absolute no no like my family will leave like i i will be kicked out like this and that will happen right um so again like going back to like the tips if you are unhappy if you are living for other people if you're living for other people um uh and you know that you're setting you're building a future that you will not like to be in um i would highly recommend that you start to work towards the future that you want so if it's like, I can't stay in this environment, I'm not allowed to leave the home because there's, there's so many different extremes when it comes to traditional parenting. Um, and so if you are in certain kinds of situations and you're like, this is not me, I'm not, I'm not reaching my potential. I can't live my life in this space. Start to put things aside, start to prepare, um, like stay ready. So you don't have to get ready kind of thing. And when you want to make that decision, And when it's time for you to stand up and say, like, actually, mom and dad, like, this is what's happening right now. The fear of abandonment, the fear of being disowned in some way is not as daunting as it once was because you've set yourself up. Mom, dad, I'm I'm moving out. I've got this place. There's no question about it. I hope that you can, you know, support me in my decision. And if they don't, well, hey, you got somewhere to go, don't you? you you're not being kicked out. You're leaving. <laughs> Flip the script. Um, and uh, and I know that even that's tough, but it's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, and I know those folks who have um, uh, been quote unquote disowned, um, but then, you know, a few years pass and you know, relationships are rebuilt. Sometimes parents are just really stubborn. On today's episode of Bay Podcast, we have Erica. Erica kind of has this really unique experience and perspective because her husband is 
a professional baseball player. Um, a little bit about myself. My name is Erica, and I am Dustin's wife, who is a, he's a baseball player. But a little bit about me. I work in the IT world as a account executive. Um, and so my job allows me to be remote. It allows me to manage different clients and sell while we're living out of hotels, trucks, you name it, we've been there and we've done it. I started dating Dustin when I was in school. So the first half of our relationship was definitely more him on the, uh, on the road. I would only be able to actually see him, um, during the season, which is in the summer because I was at school during his off season. And then when I moved into the IT world, I was able to work remote and that has just been phenomenal. It's been incredibly interesting to like navigate this world just because it's especially from a long distance relationship. But I think in terms of that, we are really lucky. The fact that we started off as distance as opposed to being together for a really long time and then moving into that. So I just wanted to add some clarity because I feel like what a lot of people don't know, I guess if you haven't watched like, you know, the reality TV shows, WAGs, Wives and Girlfriends and with Dustin. So did he start kind of in the minors and then he made his way into the majors and kind of where is he where is he at now? Absolutely. Yeah. So when I met him, he was pitching for the Boston Red Sox and I was actually working in video production. So uh, that's, we met when I was working for the Toronto Blue Jays for the visiting team. So I was helping with like the reporters and everything for the Boston side. And that's where we met. And then since then, um, he has been with a bunch of different organizations, the Marlins, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Angels. And so we've been really fortunate in that we've gotten to experience a lot of different teams and organizations and people. Um, but baseball, it actually starts, you don't ever just appear in the majors, you actually have to work your way up. So you work from the as soon as you get signed out of college, you start off in the minor leagues, which is various levels of a ball all the way from A, double A to triple A. And then the way that baseball works is you can actually get set down and up and you kind of, it, it really depends. It's very much like a business. So you kind of never know where you're actually going to be. And you get a call and you either, you're going to the next city, whether that be trades or whether that be up and down within major to minors. It's incredibly interesting to see how it all works. And then also how the relationships kind of are made out of that. I think having moved to so many different places, you've probably experienced a lot of different kinds of wags in all your travels, right? I mean, I feel <laughs> yeah. like you're such a unique wag. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of you. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. There's definitely different types of wags. The 1% are really what you see on the reality shows of kind of that glamorous life. And even then, nothing's ever truly glamorous, right? I think a lot of the times you don't actually see what happens in the minor league life and you don't actually see what ha how hard these places players have to work and how hard these guys and these relationships have to go through in order to just make their dream happen. Um, a lot of the times these wag, a lot of the times we're, we're put in a position where you have to support their dreams, but at the same time, like they're supporting you. So you're really in it together. So it's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of the times we'll, it's funny, we'll be together and we'll always say, oh, we moved up or we got sent down and it's a we because like we're in it together. You're in the truck half the time just driving to different cities. So I think from like an actual career perspective, it's incredibly difficult to like navigate just because you there's so much un 
uncertainty. So you every plan that you have, even in terms of housing, can just be thrown out the window in like a day. I feel like it's a really exciting way to live. But if you're looking for like that stability, like <laughs> there's no stability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, did you know what you were signing up for kind of when like, no, I was not I had no idea. Absolutely not. I, I don't feel like anyone ever prepares you for that. I feel like especially I didn't grow up with like baseball as like a heavy part of my life or professional sports at all for that matter. So I had no idea about the minor leagues at all. I had no idea how that whole system worked. I think if if Dustin and I were to be like together in college, I probably would have had a better idea of what I was signing up for. But definitely when I first met him, I had no idea. I think the first year of our relationship was really just like him flying me out to like Newport Beach during the off season, him flying me to Boston. And it was like super, it felt very glamorous because I was still in school. And once we actually stopped kind of that honeymoon phase, it was like, oh, this is very like different than what I thought this was going to be like. And I was also young because he was uh, he was around 26 when he was in the majors. And I was um, we have an age gap of seven years. So I was 19. So I had like no idea of like, this is very glitzy for me. <laughs> when you speak about like that 1% versus like the 99% and talking about like, again, that fluctuation between, you know, how much money they're making at different, you know, levels. And we always assume like, you know, they're get they're making the big bucks. And like, it's constant, like glitz and glamour. And I think like Instagram and social media really feeds that narrative of this world to like everybody else. Um, especially because like I followed some like, you know, Blue Jays wags before because they're, they're kind of like influencers now, right? Like they are definitely like just with their brand sponsorships and their like clothing deals, um, Fashion Nova, you know, like that's what I've seen. Like that's definitely like the Toronto Blue Jay wag lifestyle. So like, I love the fact, I mean, having you on obviously was a very, um, you know, it was very strategic in the sense that we want to show this other side of like women really like killing it in their careers and like doing something a bit you know, it's a different story. And I think that's really interesting. But I could only imagine that like, it's also come at, you know, with all these challenges for like, when you're trying to like climb up the corporate ladder, and doing your own thing. I I think one of the biggest things that will change the game is definitely remote. You have a lot of girlfriends, like wives and girlfriends that are put in a position that you just, it's so hard and you have to make a choice between relationship or your career um, to just travel with them, whether that be in the minor leagues or in the majors. I think people sometimes don't understand how long baseball is. So baseball really honestly starts in February. That's when spring training starts and it doesn't end until October and they play every day. They have a game every day and they get two to three days off a month. It's like an insane schedule and they're only in a city for five to eight days max before they go to the next city. So it's a lot of travel and for a lot of a lot of women I know, it's really difficult to have a career in work remote. I do know a few that are in pharmaceutical sales, but a lot of the times they're just like, you know what, I'm going to prioritize my relationship. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm going to be with you. But for the, a lot of the minor league lives, um, they don't actually, for a lot of ML, for a lot of players, they don't get paid minimum wage. And so the cost of living, you're sharing a room with four guys living in a one bedroom apartment. 
And that's like just the reality of minor league life. And it, it's insane. And so we've definitely lived a little bit of that in the beginning. And then we've also lived like just us and like an apartment. But then at that point, you're also starting to see just like different priorities of the players. Sometimes they have families that li- that come along as well, like two to three kids that are living that life as well, because they want to build that relationship with their dad. So it's definitely like a very interesting lifestyle that you choose from a career perspective, though. You, you see see, I I feel like the women in this industry take on a lot on their shoulders. Like there's a lot that they have to do, but it's really the men that like support them as well from like an emotional standpoint, just because from a career perspective, you're having to navigate this incredibly unique journey together. So that's definitely been something that I've seen is just like, you, you realize that your relationship, like you are one. And if you're not on the same page, that's typically where those relationships kind of break down because it's like, okay, what's our priority together? Like we have one goal together from a career perspective. And so you see a lot of that support happen too. So Erica, you said that early on in your relationship, like the kind of work that you were doing allowed you to move around and like live that life to like the fullest extent. And since then, you've been able to like progress in your career. But that on the flip side, you also mentioned that there are some wags who take that on and like are completely there for their partner and the career side has to pause for the duration of that time. And I can imagine like that's super stressful because of how um, kind of unstable this kind of career path can be. Um, can you just give us like some insight as to like what you've seen in your experience with like the WAG community, what that other side kind of looks like? I think a lot of the times that uncertainty and like that choice to not be able to actually do your career remote. So before COVID, when things were a little bit normal, um you weren't able to do, for example, you weren't able to do a lot of the jobs so remote. So you weren't able to have a marketing job remote. You weren't able to sit in an office remote. Like you weren't able to do a lot of those things remote. And so a lot of the times these WAGs have gone to school, they have four-year degrees um, and they just, they aren't, there's no opportunities for them to work on the road with their husbands or their fiancés or their boyfriends. And so a lot of the times they are like, you know what, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm going to travel with with him and be with him. But the hard part about that is that it can get incredibly lonely. So I lived with Dustin for a summer while we were in Salt Lake City. And it I wasn't working at that time. I was doing my thesis for my master's. And although I had like probably one of the best summers with the girls because I was living with him, we had an apartment. I was doing my whole thing. I was living there for about three, four months. We were, we were with them for a good chunk of the season. I was so lonely. Like it was really, really hard because yes, you have like there's girlfriends and there's other wives that you can do be with and do things with. It's you're not with them all the time. And I think that that is like so it's just such a it's a reality of being a wag is that you're alone a lot of the times. And during the day, if you don't have um, your own business, so I do, I do want to say that a lot of wags actually start up their own business. So they'll create jobs for themselves, or a lot of them are teachers and they'll actually start doing online lessons. And so they get very creative, but a lot of the times, like there's just no opportunity. And so maybe they'll go work at a local YMCA or they'll work at the stadium. Um, I, I just think it's like, it's one of those things that you don't, think about, but like accessibility to careers is, is just something that I think 
if there's anything that has come out of this whole pandemic, it's the fact that we've all realized that technology allows everyone to work remote. And I think that it's just like, it's a very, very real reality that like before you couldn't be an accountant online. Like it's just, there was, there was no way for you to do that. So I think that that's probably been like most eye-opening experience has been like, like the woman kind of shifting and being like, you know what, I'm going to support you for four or five years, six years, however long this journey lasts. But then once baseball is done and like the rules are flipped, a lot of the times the men will actually support the women. And so they'll be like, you know what, like it's your time to shine. Like you're able to go do things. I want you to be successful. So I think that it's, it's very interesting. It really depends on like where you're at in your career when it comes to a baseball player, um, in terms of salary, like I mentioned, like if you are not, a lot of the girls just don't even have the option to live with their boyfriends because they just don't make enough money to support both of them. So it it really, you start to see some of the privileges around like more experience as they call them vets, um, and having that salary to support their, their wives or their others, or even their children. But it's a, it's incredibly difficult. And so you do see a lot of women, um, starting their own businesses, um, whether it be, I've seen a lot of like calligraphy, Etsy pages, like very creative side of them coming out to show like how they can add to the relationship. But then once they kind of do that shift afterwards, a lot of the times these women are able to go in, then pursue their career, and then the man supports them. I also really like the fact that you brought up how a lot of partners are trying to hustle. Because again, I I don't know if there's like that stereotype that like they're, you know, like living off of the guy's you know, paycheck, like probably is that's like what we see in the media. So like the fact that like, you mentioned the accessibility to get jobs, it's not a matter of like, women not wanting to work. It's just it's not like conducive to the lifestyle of like traveling. Like I think that you've nailed it on the head. I think a lot of the times what we see on in, on Instagram, on any social media, on TV, it's just like so filtered, right? And so you only see one dimension of it. And every and like there are some women that just like they they don't want to, they don't want a career. And that's totally fine as well. Like they're more than welcome to like live that life and do those things. Um it, it just everything has more dimensions, right? Like there are more ways to look at things and perspectives and views on things. And I do think a lot of the times as well, even with volunteering, I don't know if you know this, but you actually can't volunteer somewhere if you aren't in a city for six months straight. So a lot of the times they would like go to volunteer. And I know a lot of women that would want to go volunteer and they'd be like, we need an address for the next six months. And they'd be like, I don't know, I could get traded tomorrow. I could be like, I could be somewhere else tomorrow. Like I have no idea where I'm going to be. And they're like, oh, sorry, then we just can't. How does that affect like the relationship dynamic then? Because like, like, you know, you were saying like being in Salt Lake City, being kind of lonely, like what do those conversations look like with your partner? It's definitely how you navigate them. I think it's definitely a a lot of listening. A lot of listening happens because at the same time, like you might be feeling lonely, but at the same time, like this is his like job, this is his life, right? Like I think that that is, and they have faced a lot of pressures, right? And my husband was a, is a pitcher and he would... Uh, there's just some days you've got good days and some days where you have bad days, right? And you like can't really bring it home. But at the same time, like you have to go to the ballpark and do it all over again. And there's a lot of stress that happens on both 
men and women in that. And so I think it's just a lot of listening happens. Um, I remember I used to run a ton when we were in Salt Lake City, which is really hard in case (laughs) if you didn't know. And running in Utah is so hard. Um, But I used to run a lot because I was just like, I just needed like an outlet. I needed some sort of outlet to really just like feel as though I was like had a routine again, had a schedule again, other than going to the park at like, you know, I want to say seven o'clock. And talking about lonely, a lot of the times these women are by themselves for from that time. So they leave for the field at around one, even 1230. And then you don't see them until 10. So it kind of kills date night. <laughs> There's no date nights. Yeah. There's breakfast <laughs> Actually, maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely date breakfasts. Well, like, I feel like this idea of the mental health aspect and like talking through, um, you know, again, like I totally, I grew up watching baseball. So I understand, especially like the pitcher and like the fact that everybody there's so much pressure on the pitcher like guys I don't know. is that the only uh position you know Amanda? <laughs> no i know all the positions i know, I know the pitcher and the uh... man like there's a reason why they make the big bucks though but there there's a ton of pressure like it's it's really intense and like they're yeah i just i know that world so like i i completely understand like kind of the pressure that dustin's probably been under and then like to come home with that and like try to be a partner and like you know because they almost like blame themselves if like a game's oh, lost, right? I I think I yeah I I think the hardest I will say that Dustin is so good at it. I know a lot of other um I don't know I know in a lot of other relationships there it's harder, um but I will say Dustin is so good at leaving anything that happened on the field stays on at the field and I think that that is really hard. I feel like I bring my work home all the time. Like it just bleeds into my personal life and it's just like it's definitely something that they're taught as well to just leave it at the field because like you have to forget about it the next day if you're going to move on, whether it be good or bad, I have to leave it. And I think that that's something that like, I'm not even good at doing. Like I'm terrible at le- at not allowing my work to affect my personal life. Like if I did, if I had a bad day at the office, I am so miserable afterwards. I'm like trying to think of ways to fix it at home. And I think that that's something that like, that a lot of the times that like when it comes to these relationships, there's so much stress and like even the media, I remember like, yeah, I think as you get higher up or as you become more of a notable name, like in the beginning when Dustin was with, when I was with him in Boston, like I just remember I like couldn't even handle it. He had one bad outing, one, just one bad outing. And it was like all over the radio, like it was awful. And then the next day he had a great outing. And so I just, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, it's, that stress added on top of like a normal relationship. It's just like, as I mentioned, lots of dimensions, lots of layers. Um, I think professional sports is a very unique relationship and I don't think it's cut up for everyone. I definitely think you have to have like a friendship first and foremost, even before you do the whole like relationship thing. Yeah. I feel like that would take such a strong partnership and the highs and lows. And like, even that idea, like we talked about like this mental health and like being lonely um, those highs and lows. And then also like the fact is like now you're kind of, you know, you're, you're really successful in your career. And I would imagine from like a financial situation that you're kind of like the breadwinner now. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So especially when it comes to baseball, I think, or any professional sport really at the, for that matter, it's, there's always a peak. And then once you pass that peak, you always want to get back to that peak, but like, it's not a linear line. Like it can go up and down. You can get back to that peak, but it's just, it's a big grind. 
And I, I'm, I'm really fortunate that I found a position in which women, the glass ceiling isn't as low. Like I have the ability to earn enough for both of us. And I have also, I'm incredibly lucky that Dustin supports me in that. So he's not offended by it. He's not worried by it. Like he's very like much like I love the fact that you are a, am I allowed to swear on here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Badass bitch. That's what he calls me. And I think that it's definitely something where like right now it definitely shifted. So like the first five years, it was very one-sided. He was definitely paying for like all of my flights to California, all of my flights everywhere, like hotels, everything. But then obviously like as like your career, like as you go up and down, like it's definitely shifted. And as my career has more of a linear path, I've definitely assumed that position of a breadwinner. And so that actually really allows us to not have to live in an apartment with four guys. So (laughs) I I spoil ourselves and I'm like, nope, we're living at a hotel because if I'm taking my conference calls, I don't need three guys in the kitchen with me. Like it's just not happening. (laughs) It seems like this is really not for like the faint of heart, right? Like the on top of (laughs) finances and moving and like the trust that you need when you are long distance um, and there are wild nights out um, every once in a while. Like how what kind of can you give us like a peek as like the kind of conversations that you have to have in a relationship like this? Because I feel like there's there's so much there. Like it's not for the faint of heart. It, it definitely depends on like the different, so like at the different levels you're at. So like when you're in like the majors, I think like when Dustin was with the majors, like in with the Red Sox, uh, I think one of the conversations is like, you have to tell me if something is going to happen before it hits the media, because there's nothing more heartbreaking than reading something and then not being told. And then you reading it in the paper and, or like, and when Dustin and I, like Dustin and I have been together for 10 years now, which is already insane. And so I was kind of fortunate in that Twitter was very, new 10 years ago like <laughs> everything was very new ten, like there was no instagram there was yeah. no anything it's only literally been in the last like five to six years that we've had to sort of start navigating that but i think that like in the beginning you start to have a lot of trust issues you have a lot of trust issues right off the bat um just because like obviously the media is like heightens everything and um I'll like toot my own horn. Dustin's a very good looking man. So like, I'd always be like super nervous and I'd be like, Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know who you're seeing. Like, this is so, and like he was, he'd be in like a new city every day. Right. So I think that that's definitely something that when we first started dating, like I was like, is this real? Like, is this like, or am I just like another side chick? So (laughs) that's in the beginning. Like that's like at the very beginning of your stage. I think when you move to like the middle um, the conversations are more like, should we buy a home? Like, is that crazy? Like, should we do that? Because at that point, he had two storage units across the country. So one in California and then one in uh, Massachusetts. And so he was just like, and he would just like fly the stuff back and forth and then had his family's home in Kansas. So he would just like keep moving stuff. So like, he's always been a nomad. He's always had his stuff everywhere. So it's like, do we get a home? Like, does that even make sense? Like, no, I like, we definitely don't like not a dog either. Like that's, that's a bad idea too. (laughs) (laughs) So anything that's like more like you're sorry, you want to like plan these things with like your partner and you can't plan anything. So I think that that's like more the middle conversation and then more towards like the end of their career or more even towards when they're like 
even an independent ball or kind of just fighting to get back into affiliated ball because there's different types of baseball leagues in the States as well, you start to then realize like, what's next? Like, where do you want to go? And I think that that's also a really hard conversation because you're essentially retiring when you're 30, like in your 30s. And so everything that you've worked for up until you're 30, where like for us, it would feel like, okay, like we're now hitting our stride. Like we're now hitting our, we're starting to like, kind of hit that peak of our of our career like we're starting to finally come into our own that's when a lot of professional athletes other than like golf I would say <laughs> are very like okay what's next and I think for a lot of guys it's really hard to make that transition and it's really hard on like their families so Dustin and I are just Dustin and I but like I I can only imagine how hard that transition would be even when you have like two to three kids I think you make that transition sooner because you're like I need stability in my life so those are the types of conversations that we have and then fun conversations I would say are like oh let's go sight like we're in Washington today like where are we gonna like we should go sightseeing like we should pick out like the best restaurant here or we spent a lot of time and we spent some time in Texas and it was like we decided that every state that we went to we would check out like like a monument there or like a national park there or that was our thing (laughs) yeah like we had to like there's like ups and downs I've also seen a lot of La Quinta's and a lot of holiday inns across the U.S. so (laughs) The fact is, like, you're so lucky because Dustin supports you and your career. But are there, like, other ways that you've seen where, like, the guy wants his partner to be, like, all about him? Like, kind of cheering him on, like, the sideline? Like, do you see that? I do. But I think a lot of the times when it comes, like, around those types of relationships, I don't see it last. It's not even just toxic. It's just, like, it's not right for either of them. Like, a lot of the times if a guy is, if a guy is like that or even the girl is like that, if they're more concerned about the sport than they are their relationship or their careers, they might not just be at a point that they're both on the same page. So, I think that, like, to your point, I've seen that and I've just... I haven't seen the relationship go far or I haven't seen it go in the direction that they want just because they're both not on the same page. Like, they both want different things. It's almost like at some point they're going to have to have one of those like big conversations and if they're not on the same page for it it's going to be really really tricky to manage because I think about um your situation and how um Dustin is like nearing the the you know a time to think about the future and all of that and you are now kind of the the main breadwinner um like you folks are set up in that way. There's, there's like, you've thought about the future. You, you've been able to, to, um, continue, um, upwards in your career and, um, allow for something like that to, to be possible in your future. But then for those who maybe it's very at the moment, it's only, we're only thinking about the present. It's just the sport. And we haven't thought about what happens when everyone ages <laughs> and things change. I, I heard a really good quote actually um, at Microsoft, probably about three four years ago now. And it was by the, I don't want to say it was Janet Kennedy. And she was like the head of Microsoft Canada at the time. And she said a quote, and I think it just, it really does apply to a lot of professional sports, but especially I felt like it really applied to my life. And it was, you can have your cake and eat it. You just can't do it all at once. And I was like, yes, that is exactly how I feel right now. Because there were some times where, I would be like, oh, like if I, if I didn't, if I wanted to do something other than IT and if I didn't get into IT, I wouldn't, I 
don't know if Dustin and I would have been as successful because I think that we just had both very strong passions for our careers. And I do think that I'm like incredibly fortunate that I was able to prove that I was able to be successful in my stream, but I don't think I would have been able to achieve everything I wanted to if I didn't go into IT. I think that like I had to pick IT. Um, and I think it was more of a timing thing, but I know a lot of women that are just, it's really hard for them because they've studied for professions of teaching, for example, um, or being lawyers or being in politics, or they had a dream and they've had to put it on pause and it's not a bad thing. It's just like, they've had to put it on pause. And I think allowing both parties to recognize kind of the sacrifices that they made is something like huge. So we're at that point now for me where Dustin's like, now it's your turn. Like I've done, I've gotten my dream. I've made it to the big leagues. I did my thing. I'm now like, I'm content. And I'm, I I still think he's got probably about a year or two left in him, uh, depending on how COVID kind of rolls out. Uh, We'll see what happens with baseball. But uh, he's definitely like, he's like, no, I want you to go like, do your thing now. I want you to kind of go chase like things that I wouldn't be able to do, like speaking at events or things like that. You know, the women having to make that decision to uh, kind of stop their work. How often do actually, just based on the type of guys um, in the uh, in the sports world, how often do they kind of go back and let the women continue where they last left off? Is that normal? Is that? Uh, it's pretty normal actually to see it kind of happen. Um, but I think a lot of it just kind of comes down to when you get out, you're like, how, like, what do we do next? (laughs) What are we doing? Like the woman's just like, (laughs) yeah. And I think, and I think that the, like the wives are just kind of like, oh, like I have a degree in this. I'm going to go apply for this, but it can be very scary. Um, typically it honestly happens before they retire though. So it happens like probably two or three years, like when they're kind of, more just trying to figure it out or when they're in lower leagues or even like before they retire. Um, I think that's usually when the transition happens. So it's not like there's like no income happening. Right. But like, there's a point where they stop traveling or they're, they just kind of prioritize different things. And so like that, that travel schedule is, I can tell you right now is hell. Like I did it. Uh, I traveled with Dustin probably for four years. And honestly, it was so exhausting and tiring. And I think I only did it with him one season. So that when we lived in Salt Lake, I wouldn't go on any road trips. I think I went on like two or three. But then there was one season that I did everything with him. I literally was like in the truck and I would check in and check out of the hotel. We lived in our truck and then lived in like hotels like across the Northeast. It was insane. And I was like, I don't know how you've been doing this for this long. Like this is exhausting. Like I think just like on top of like your stresses of like having a career, it's just like, you just like, you're away from your family. You're away from your friends. Like you don't have like a routine other than like get on the bus, get off the bus, go to the field, eat with the, eat with your players, like go play your game, play the game, right? Like stretch everything and then come back on the bus, go to the hotel game for two hours. Cause you need to unwind and then do it all over again. So during those four years, did you pause or were you still no. working? So on top of all of that, you were still, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I was still working. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I was still working. Um, I had, we actually bought a plan with our truck that allowed us to have a hotspot in the truck. So we we literally had, Keith will actually be very interested in this. We actually had data in the truck. 
there was a data plan on the truck. I, I guess you didn't uh, really pause your your work, but for for women who do, um, do they find it hard to get back into it? Is there a lot of uh, downsides of you know putting it on pause? And I, I know a lot of women go through this, especially through like maternity leave or extended maternity leave. But for something like uh, uh, maybe five, six, seven, even longer isn't it kind of hard to come back from that and or does it give them ample time to focus on themselves and understand themselves to know where to go next or is that all part of the conversation i think it's a scary jump for sure i think that's that i can't speak from my own experience but i can say that i'm like the wives and girlfriends have a very strong community like it's a strong community of baseball women and they really do support each other. So a lot of the times what will happen is someone will raise their hand and say, hey, like I need help or I'm looking to do this. And you'll have just like a sea of women just be like, hey, I know I know a position here. Like we're hiring at my company. Like I can put in a good word for you. So um, I, I see it a little bit in IT, but a lot of the times I see it in real estate a lot. Like there's a, like it's phenomenal. And I, I, I do think that like, it can be scary, but I, I've, I've even put forward, I know like three girls that I've put forward their resumes being like, Hey, like I'm willing to put your resume forward. I'm happy to help you. I'm happy to help you set up your LinkedIn. Like, tell me what you need and I'll help you. Because I definitely do think that like, if you haven't worked for seven years and then you want to jump back into it and it's just, you, you might feel a little rusty, but it's also just like, it's scary. Cause like you're just shifting your entire lifestyle to something completely different than like what you've been accustomed to. It's like, just like how the players are used to that kind of lifestyle. Like you were saying, the kind of bizarre routines that they have. Like if you are a wag who has committed to that for the same number of years with your partner, then like, Absolutely. That's like 180, right? Night and day from what you're used to, to now I'm jumping back into an office space or whatever kind of um, career uh, you're you're going into. It kind of just kind of, it really just comes down to like you being on the same page as your partner. I think that it, that's really what it comes down to. And I think in the beginning, it's, you're not really on the same page, like you're still dating, but everything in baseball is so accelerated because like you just yeah, everything in baseball is just incredibly accelerated. Like Dustin and I, we met and then 30 days later our, on our second date, he met my parents because he wanted to fly me out to Boston. <laughs> and it was just like, it was one very, of those. like, it's, yeah, yeah Dustin, exactly. Dustin can meet my parents if he wants <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> it's definitely interesting. I think it's one of those things where baseball, everything in the relationship is incredibly accelerated. And I think it's just, I, I am fortunate that Dustin is who he is like I think it's not lost on me that he's a great human but I also know that like it's it's definitely like a friendship first like it comes from that's where it like it stems from we need to we need to have him on the show to see his, know, uh, his nice. side of it <laughs> a guy's perspective he'll yeah. be like yeah she wants date night every night and I'm exhausted she wants to go for yeah. drinks at Applebee's and I'm like no I'm too tired oh yeah that is all there is in somebody's Applebee's <laughs> wild I just remember Dustin so nice and I would be like I'd be like, date night, date night. Like, let's go get Long Island iced teas at Applebee's. And he'd be like, oh my God, E, like, I just need to like go to the hotel. I'm exhausted. Like, I've been out in the sun for like seven hours and you want to go to Applebee's for a Long Island. I'm like, yeah, I've been like, I've been by myself working, like video conferencing, but I need like human interaction. 
when you were talking about like that community between the women as well, like obviously, like you were saying, they're so busy and like they're doing so much. And then you guys have like, you know, like friends and like you kind of build up like a camaraderie. And I guess you you kind of wonder, like, is it true? Like, is everybody like coming together? Is there like cattiness? Like, what's that community like? I definitely think it's like, I think it's like any sort of like, even at a company, like you're just going to gravitate to different women or you're different people, like personalities are going to click. Some are going to like, some are going to kind of butt heads. But I do think that there is like a, you're going to obviously have like headbutting, but I do think that one of the one things I will say is that all baseball wives like respect each other. Like they all respect the grind. They're like, we all know that like, even though like I might not agree with you on a lot of things, I respect the fact that like you've probably had to move six times this season, pack up your home, cancel the utility, hop in a U-Haul, drive somewhere, probably with your two-year-old strapped to your chest doing it all, right? Like I think that there is just like a basic level of like, it's incredibly difficult. Your husband goes through like a million ups and downs, like we're there for you. But at the same time, like we all have very different personalities too. Like I I think it's like any, it's it's like any organization, any company, like you're not going to be best friends with everyone, but you do respect everyone. For some reason that like clarifies to me why basketball, basketball wives and all of these like wag shows actually exist because Every time I watch them, I always wonder, like, why are they still friends? Like, are they still friends? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And like, (laughs) but like, regardless of like how ridiculous the drama is, there's still that kind of like underlying respect. And if anything happens to one of them, they're all there, like to support and to help. So you just like summarize that in like a one minute TED talk for me. Thank you. And I think that it's definitely like the same with the guys. Cause I think that it's even harder on the guy side because like you're competing against each other, right? Like for positions, like you're competing True. against each other and these are like your best friends. And so I think that it's, it's the same for the players. Like I can't speak from first experience, but I can tell you that like there's players like that. They don't have the same opinion on things, but like when they get on the field, like they have like a bare level of respect for They have respect for each other. Like they respect yeah. that they've like, worked hard to get where they are either or like if they have a bad outing you're gonna have bad days and like that doesn't mean mean you're a bad player it just means like you had a bad day like anybody else would but yeah i think that is just like it comes down to like this is really hard and we all get it (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're all in it together we've talked a lot about communication i think communication is such a huge like huge component of all this and like with the traveling and stuff but what do you what are kind of like your big takeaways for somebody Oh my gosh. Okay. So my biggest thing for this to work for any relationship, but especially when in professional sports is like, you have to have a conversation once a day. Like, I just think that too much goes on in a day where like, even if you don't have a, it needs to be a five to 10 minute call. Like there has to be a call, whether it's in the morning or whether it's at night, it's a five, 10 minute call. Um, I just think that that's so important with long distance relationships that you actually hear the person's voice or even Now you get FaceTime. So you actually see them and you just know that like, they're okay. They're doing good. Like just five to 10 minutes. That's like, that's, that's probably been like our biggest thing is like, even when we're living together, we call, he calls me at the field every, like he calls me at the field every time for five, 10 minutes being like, Hey, just finish warming up. Like just check in, see how you're doing. Like, I'm going to go out and be like, good luck, babe. Like go get them. Like I'll be in the stands, probably eating French fries. Like, (laughs) 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 and then I'll see you after. So it's just like, I'm a big proponent on whether you're living with someone or not, like five to 10 minutes. Like it's just a phone conversation. 
you know, you guys are both kind of doing your own thing potentially. I mean, obviously some people's situation, they're like very aligned in what they're doing, but how do you kind of not lose yourself in the, in a relationship like this? Oh, you, you don't even want to know how crazy of a baseball wife I was or am still like I would like be checking stats and trade MLB trade rumors, seeing who gets everywhere. And it's, it just, it consumes you. Um, but I really do think that having like your own identity, whether it be hobbies or activities, physical, mental, like your own kind of your own grind is so important when it comes to professional sports because of the fact that like, if you just let it consume you, it will like, it will eat you away. And then what ends up happening is you end up putting additional pressure onto the relationship that you didn't want to. For those wags who are um, entering a relationship with a professional athlete and, um, are kind of faced with that question of like, do I travel with him or do I continue um, my career? Like what advice would you give to a woman like that? Who's in that kind of crossroads? I would always ask. So I would always ask your employer if they're willing to let you work remote. I think that that is such an important question that just doesn't get asked. It's always assumed that it's a no. But I actually do know a lot of cases where they've just asked. And if it's a hard no, at least you know. But a lot of the times they're like, yeah, sure. If you want to work like half days or you want to work remote, like we could we could try something. And so then you could build up to work to traveling with them full time. But maybe in the beginning you only travel on weekends with them or you travel with them once a week for a month. And so a lot of times employers, especially now, are are way more lenient. Um, that's my first thing is just ask. Like You don't know what the answer is going to be unless you ask. So that's my first one. The second one is just you and your gut know what's right for you. So if you know that in your gut, you're like, I would be so much happier if I was with them. 24 seven. And if I, if I was just able to experience the same things that he is, you should travel because you will regret not traveling with them. It's one of those things. And then maybe you do it for a season and you're like, Oh, I'm not doing that again. Like I'm good. Or maybe I love it. And this is, this is built for me and I'll make it work by doing, by having a job on the road or by working at the stadium or by working um, at, at their hometown. Um, I, I do think that it's, it really kind of comes down to the person. I think for me, I, I really wanted to do it once I graduated. Um, and then I did it while I was doing my thesis. It just felt right. I can tell you that it was really hard. It's lonely, even though you that, that was probably the season where I made the most amount of friends. And it was still really lonely. And it's probably just, I like to eat dinners with people. I like to eat meals with people. And <laughs> Long I, Island iced teas. I, <laughs> yeah, like I enjoy that. And so for me, that was yeah. probably the biggest like reality check was like, because they'll go on like a 10 day road trip and you'll just be by yourself every night for 10 days. And like, that is so hard. It's so hard. And I know that like, it's different for everyone. So I think you, I think if you're entering into that relationship, you know best. And so it's just kind of like, and you know what, you don't have to do it for the whole time. Maybe just do it for like two months. And if it doesn't work out, then you just go back. And if it does, then it's great. But I think you, your gut will tell you. Trusting your gut, trusting your intuition, trusting your heart knowing the kind of relationship that you're in, the kind of person that you are um, as well. That's like a really lovely way to end off. It's not just, <laughs> it's, it's not just all, it's, it's not just all one thing. It's head and heart. You've got to have both in the game to figure it out. And that's just what you need in a relationship, like period. I love that choice, that sports metaphor. <laughs> that was a great sports metaphor. I loved it. <laughs> 
I definitely, I think, I think that's applicable to everything though. And I think that's, that's probably the one thing that I've learned from baseball. That's probably the one thing that my relationship has taught me. Like, cause I've been in like a long distance marriage and people are like, that's not a thing. I'm like, it's a thing. Okay. Like there's long distance relationships and then there's long distance marriages. Those are harder <laughs> because you're like, Oh my God, we got bills to pay. We got so much stuff. Like we're trying to invest in our future. But I think a big thing is that like everything is temporary. Like your successes, they're temporary. They're, your losses, they're temporary. Everything is temporary. So if your gut is telling you to do something nine times out of 10, there's always the one that you shouldn't do. But nine times out of 10, you should go do it because it's, it's just temporary. 